0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and
1: 365-day returns.
2: State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
3: Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Duran places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And I'm Rex. Welcome back to the show, Rex. It's been a while. Thank
4: you. I'm happy to be here again. I love it.
3: <laughs> In this episode, we're celebrating Rogue Friday, the Rogue One variant of Force Friday, which happened last year, the day when Star Wars merchandise comes out for a new movie. It's a, it's a new holiday that Disney's invented to get more money. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Yay!
3: <laughs> Yay! And you guys actually, uh, you guys, well, Matt travels to Rex to do this event together. So far, two years running.
4: Yes, it's great, and I and I fly. Um, the, the idea is he comes here for Force Friday, and I go there for the movie.
3: So that's up to Seattle for Force Friday, down to Los Angeles for the actual film release.
4: Yes, that's it.
3: You guys are very committed to your long distance relationship, and I applaud what you go we through. We love each other. Yeah,
4: we love each other. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> could be a little more enthusiastic. <laughs> so, um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about all the the things that have come out. Um, some that we expected some that we didn't and what information we can glean from this about rogue one but never fear this is state of the empire and we respect your desire to have news and information without spoilers so we sequester all of them behind the blast doors at the end of the episode it will be a very clearly denoted space where uh you will be safe and in fact this time around we're i don't know how much we actually have that's uh truly spoilerific for Rogue One. It's more so stuff for episode eight, actually. So mm. if that wets your whistle, then you know what to do. Go beyond the threshold and mm. beyond the Blast Wars. In addition to that, we got a little bit of uh Willow Watch and Indie Inquiry as well as uh some other assorted stuff from the Star Wars universe. But uh this will be uh this will be an interesting episode because we've never done two episodes of State of the Empire really back to back like this. Um, we did one last week to cover all the news between our last episode and and the end of September. Uh, and then here we are, assuming that we were going to get a lot to talk about for uh, Rogue Friday, but um, it's kind of slim pickings. So you guys did a midnight release at Toys R Us.
4: Yes, that was our only option this year. Last year, a lot of stores did it, but this year it was just Toys R Us. And uh, it was fun. We, uh, I would say we got there... Around eight PM, and there was nobody there, so we went and grabbed some food. We got back. There was one person in line, um, and then by the time uh, midnight or by the time eleven forty-five, eleven forty-ish rang ran around, there was probably about twenty or so people in line. So, it got a little bit populated by the end, but it was I would say way less overall than last year's.
0: Yeah, and and, and at first I dreaded the smaller launch. I don't know, just the excitement didn't seem to be there. But I, I actually kind of liked the intimacy by the end. It was actually kind of nice just to talk Star Wars with a few people instead of just being overwhelmed by the event itself. Yeah. And the people that
4: we were there with were very clearly like the same kind of nerd that, you know, we all are. And, um, a lot of really good conversations about Clone Wars and Rebels and the EU and the new movies. And it was just, yeah, it was like a really kind of cool little, uh, community Star Wars powwow. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to change next year when episode eight comes out and be the same
0: degree of intensity as last year? It, it, I think that depends on how much Grandmaster Luke action they show us going in. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I, I think that it kind of feels like
4: in in so many ways, I mean, I'm sure you guys have already discussed this at length, but Disney is playing this movie very close to their chest, it, it seems, and not blowing it out like they did with The Force Awakens. Um, and I, I think the this year's Force Friday kind of reflected that pretty clearly, Um uh, it doesn't didn't seem like there's anywhere as as with as many products as there were last year um, or really any you know most of the employees that we spoke to yesterday didn't even know it was a thing until today or until last night
0: yeah that was that was actually kind of really surprising every single toys R us they had, most of the uh, employees had no idea they were even doing anything for midnight
5: Wow. So that's
0: kind of a sign that it wasn't as pushed as hard, right? Because
4: last year when we did we did this, I called a few stores the the afternoon of, and everybody was like very clear on what the rules were going to be and how things were going to go, and you you could tell they were like debriefed or briefed on it. Um, But this year, everybody was kind of just seemed to be playing it by ear.
3: Uh, That's really odd. Um, I didn't I didn't do anything. At midnight, I'm not even sure if that we had options in Orlando for for midnight stuff. But there is a single Disney store in town. After the great, I don't know when it happened, but whenever it was that Disney store went from having a store in every mall to having like maybe a store per city, um, there's just one now, and it's at a massive tourist destination mall. And weirdly, they were open at six a.m. today, and uh, I did not. Force friday yes okay and i did not do that <laughs> because that's <laughs> i'd much rather stay up to midnight than wake up for fucking 6 a.m <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: actually yeah that's a, that's a good point i think if i had the option i would definitely rather do something at midnight than an early morning release type thing
3: they were open There's... till 10 anyway i don't know why they didn't do it
0: yeah probably the mall right it was probably more of a mall rule I thing
3: i suppose it could it have must been must have been yeah uh, but nothing else at the mall was open at six, and I I wasn't there. I I went to a nearby Target first, at uh, at eight, and uh, there was I was there's only one other person there who was interested in Star Wars stuff, a much older woman. Um, I don't know I don't know what her game was, but I guess she probably had a grandkid. Um, <laughs> but she she knew what she was doing though. Um, but that was it, just two two lonely souls looking for Star Wars eight in the morning at a Target, and then. I drove over to Disney Store, and uh, I, I, it, was, it was like practically untouched. I asked one of the employees, hey, so you guys you guys really were open at 6? And they're like, yep. And I was like, so uh, many people uh, come here for that? And they're like, nope.
4: Yeah, but I think a lot of that has to do, again, with how much Disney is not promoting this event, right? I, mm-hmm. I feel like if, if they made a thing and a spectacle out of it, people would have been there, I would assume. Yeah, the hype for the film is pretty strong. But
3: not for this day, not for this this
4: merch release, which is interesting because honestly, I I, I've been you know I I'm part of the big collecting world and I buy a lot of Star Wars toys and all that and a lot of the fans are very pleased with the products this time around much more uh, than they were for a lot of the Force Awakens products. Um, The quality of the figures is much higher, um, and it might not be as varied of a collection of products, but it seems like. Across the board, the things that are there are of better build and better quality.
0: That's because I, I don't think they had a lot of time to work with the things in Force Awakens. Like, yeah. I think there was definitely more time for them to work on Rogue One products.
3: Yeah, and, and with Rogue One products, it's weird. I think you know we've got the action figures were easy to do. Um, something I didn't see, and it might still take a while for this to trickle out, but something that I was really hoping to see were more children's books because that's where we've gotten a lot of our juiciest leaks for Force Awakens. Like there's like none of that for this. Yeah, there? that's
0: what I'm saying. There's there's no literature when and, when when Force Friday happened last year. We had um, those three uh, Journey to the Force Awaken kind of solo stories. You know, the Han Leia and, and Chewie or Han Leia and Luke, and then three adaptations of the of the original trilogy themselves, plus Lost Stars, plus the Aftermath, plus Shattered Empire. Like there was so much literature that came out around now, if not the day of. And this year, nothing. Well, Disney canceled a lot. Did they, oh, they canceled a lot of stuff? Well, like the comic book.
4: There's no, no yeah. more Rogue One comic book. Oh, yeah, right, they, yeah. They canceled the Rogue
0: One comic.
4: And Matt actually made a really great point last night, too, when we were looking at all the toys, was the observation of none of the toys this time around have any audio or dialogue like the Force Awakens toys did.
0: It's because the, the, this movie is finalized so much later because so much has changed about this movie. I guarantee you this movie is a completely different creature than it was, you know, like the difference between Force Awakens like a year before it came out and Force Friday probably wasn't as great as the difference that as Rogue One a year ago and Rogue Friday. Like this movie, like it, it's you can't deny how much has changed about this film by this point because so little has been revealed and cemented about this film
3: yeah and then we we got the the late game composer swap i mean it's a little little late to be learning about that you know
4: mm-hmm. um and there's still all the stuff with Saul Guerrero and his hair like i'm seeing him with his hair on some products and some posters him without his hair on some products and other posters it's super weird and Force whitaker did say that
3: it was a, a change that happened in the film
4: but okay but it's still it's still like a weird mixed message marketing thing, right? Like I I don't see too many examples of that in big movies like this where it's like they usually just have the promo shot and that's what they use. They don't use it like from a I don't know. It's like the same costume but different hair. It's just the hair. So it just it's it's a weird kind of okay. difference between them.
0: Haven't they shown him delivering the same lines with different with with the hair difference? He's certainly in the same no. location. No, no,
2: it's no, no, no. It's different. It's different. Uh, different lines, different hair. It's, he's never repeated himself with with, diff- I feel, with different. I feel. I feel
0: like he was at least in the same house, which I mean, of course, you know, it could be. But it was. A, it, was a, it was just a,
2: a shallow focus. We can't tell. It's a big board
4: behind him. Maybe it's just a very nice scene of him giving himself a haircut in his bathroom
3: <laughs> hey it could be where he's well, just like
2: we're going to go undercover I mean so I gotta <laughs> shave my
3: head I, I, I legit think that it's a matter of he shows up and he looks kinda ragged and then he's like oh shit I'm on a mission and then he comes back and he's got a shaved head and they're like hey looking good pal
4: Like, or he starts with a shaved head and he's like I gotta look stylish for this mission and he grows hair really fast
6: <laughs> he goes <laughs>
4: <laughs> he just
3: pushes it out <laughs> he's an alien he just looks human <laughs> the thing they do. Um, but yeah it was I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really reaching for all the things that I've that I've uncovered about the, 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 the merch that came out. With with no yeah. books, um because, because I, I agree Matt, like one hundred percent like this is clearly um, a, a result of them not knowing what information they actually can say about the movie and the action figures, they had plenty of time to work on those. They don't need to say much about them at all.
0: No, especially a lot of them are just troopers, different types of troopers, you know, like quite frankly, our, our, our Zuvio for this year that gets cut may just be a random, you know, hover ground crew trooper tank, man, you know, like <laughs> it, it, you know, there's so many variants of stormtrooper and Imperial soldier in this movie, as far as merchandising, like it wouldn't shock me if one of them just never made it to the film. Yeah, I, I totally. think and, that
3: could be the Imperial ground crew probably <laughs> if I had possibly. to guess. More on them later, but I do want to take a moment to to really reflect on Constable Zuvio and how you know a year ago on Force Friday he died for our sins. And how um, how
4: how could we forget?
3: Yeah, I'll
4: never forget. I'll never forget.
3: We'll always remember you, Constable Zuvio. Who are we talking about? (laughs) You, you, (laughs) you, you godless (laughs) heathen! Come on, man, it's too soon. Uh, In spite of this, this just wretched man's uh chiding i I would like to lead us all in a prayer now uh, if we could take hands um that's great yes for sure all right i'll stay seated for this one constable zuvio who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy rebel scum thy lobby done on jakku as it is in bespin there you stay on target peg to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. JJ <laughs> J- J- Abrams. In Teak's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Wow. That that was that was something, man. I'm just saying, yeah, but,
2: I, I don't I don't see a lot of evidence for yeah. Zuvia's existence.
3: I've seen the movie. <sighs> we got a great a lot there. We got a great story. We got two amazing action figures in three and a quarter scale and black series. What more do you want? The man's a legend. I want to see him. I, I I have yet to see him. He's done more than you he ever. He has have. a Twitter account, okay? <laughs>
4: that means he's real.
3: Yeah, it doesn't come. It doesn't get realer than that.
4: <laughs> so
3: you need to show some fucking respect.
4: That was a beautiful eulogy, Cap. Thank you. That was beautiful.
2: Is Zuvio okay. considered canon, or is he going to be like Star Wars Legends now? He's canon. Look it he's up. It's canon. on Wikipedia.
0: Yeah, he's got he's got a story and everything. But he's not in anything. He He's is. not even in a He's... book. No, he is in a book. He's He has a short story in Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Oh, yeah,
4: I guess that's right. Yeah. And it was great. Story. It was great. It was arguably the best story I've ever read, ever.
2: <laughs> arguably. <laughs> I want to hear you argue with yourself like, then again, Zubio. 1984, pretty good. No Zubio.
0: <laughs> no Zuvio.
3: So uh, what did you guys see?
0: For me, the most exciting thing was uh, one of the Lego uh, sets features an ATST, and Baz uh, Jiang Wen's character in this in this movie, uh, he's in that set. So that stands to reason. I don't think we've heard or seen anything that ATSTs were in this movie, and now the chicken walkers back. I think no. it's safe to say that we probably get some chicken walkers.
3: That's really cool. I didn't see that at all. What? Yeah. So that was that was basically just an ATST playset that he's in?
0: Yeah, there was, you know, it comes with a a, a Imperial Pilot, you know, a driver, you know, whatever they want to call him. Um and I wanna say a rebel trooper, and then and then Baz. And definitely the background it looks like they're on scarif. Yeah. So I think I think we're in for some chicken walker action, which I mean It might have actually been Jeddah. You think so? Yeah, because I, I feel like it looked like that same kind
4: of um Location that the hover tank is in. I could be wrong, but it, I, I, it might be Jeddah. I don't know.
3: So Scarif Clear. or Scarif is the tropical planet that we've seen a lot of, and then Jeddah is the, um, the older world that's in a frozen tundra.
0: Yeah, what oh, the, tundra? You,
3: They've said it's a frozen desert. Yeah. Oh. I
0: and didn't. and you're absolutely correct. It, it's definitely uh, Jeddah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, so, and there's been,
4: so a couple of, I, I feel like I am in love with the U-Wing. I am having a, a real love affair with that ship, and everything that I've seen with it gets me really excited. Uh, we um, we didn't get to see it in person, but there's a, a display of the U-Wing at Walmart, which is just this giant cardboard, like, back, remember, like, episode one, they had the Naboo Starfighters and everything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's cardboard, it's not plastic, but it's like a big scale version of the U-Wing. And like in the side of it, you see all of these Rebel Troopers that look like right out of Endor Rebel Trooper looking outfits like standing in there. And in my head, I'm just like, holy shit, this is going to be, this ship is awesome. And then it, the toy, that I actually bought the toy of the U-Wing because I'm in so in love with that ship. And like the wings sweep open and close. And I'm just like visualizing in my head how amazing this thing is going to look in, in the movie. I'm very excited for it. That display sounds amazing. Yeah, you. Uh, if you, I mean, if you got a Walmart anywhere near, you, you should go see if they have it.
3: Um, the the Lego U Wing, it has uh, what looks like the Edu variations of Jin and, and Cassian, and but on the background and and Eidu is, I guess we're not really sure what it is yet as far as a planet goes. It's cold. That's all we know.
4: Yeah, um, rainy.
3: But uh, the background on the box is jungle like, and you can see Aztec temples in the background,
4: like it's Yavin. Oh. Hmm. So I will say, like, the only thing that I, I, I would bet, I would, like, bet on this was that very fir- very first piece of concept art we ever saw for Rogue One, which, with all the soldiers running in the rain, with the floodlights coming off the ships, like, I know those are U-wings, and we're seeing a lot of footage in the trailers of, like, X-wings flying in rain, mountains, and uh, we have seen characters run in the rain, and I feel like the U-wings are the are the main dropships for that edu or uh, however you pronounce it planet uh, assault. Hmm. I think that's what's going to happen, and I think that space monkey dude that's shooting the turret. I think he's shooting out the side of it of a U-wing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you guys also see the uh, the Krennic shuttle Lego set? Yeah, that looks
4: yeah. awesome.
3: It's pretty cool, and. Uh, I don't know what to make of this or if to make anything of it, but he, uh, the set also comes with Bodie Rook and Pow Pal. Pau's the, um, the screamy mm. rebel guy. Um, and it might just be that they're combatants in, I guess, the, the space where Krennic's ship lands. But um, when we've seen, I think we've seen Krennic's ship in the context of uh, Skarif but uh, the the actual background of this Lego playset, if you can make anything of it, looks more like frozen wastes, not snowy, but maybe the frozen tundra kind of, or frozen desert kind of landscape. Um, yeah, it the also, shuttles,
4: all the ships in this movie look so cool.
3: Yeah, in fact, you know, its criticship is weird, because to me, it looks it looks too cool. Like, we never saw anything remotely as stylish as that in the original trilogy, ever.
4: It's more like Kylo's the, ship, you know? The shuttle Tidarium, would, to me, always felt really sleek, but yeah, it's not that sleek. Yeah,
2: well, it is an experimental. Like,
3: it's it's like, isn't it just like one of a kind? Potentially, uh, I don't think we know for sure yet. Mm. Um, and as far as action figures, I, I, I don't. Did you, did you guys see the uh, the POW, uh, two pack? The guy, this the screaming rebel dude. I got it. Oh yeah. So how about he has, Doug? He this dude.
4: He has an articulated lower jaw flap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really good at screaming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's
1: yeah.
4: really good at
0: it.
1: How, how is
0: the one that actually has like, it, they revealed what he, what he is screaming that like his culture has like a battle cry. Yeah. it yeah, yeah, It's we, on the back of the box.
3: We mentioned it uh, last episode because mm-hmm. there's a lot, a lot of the three and a quarter figures. Um, they are three and three quarters figures. They, they leaked well over a week ago. So we were able to go through a lot of the details last episode.
0: Yeah, that's. I guess that's kind of the sad. Some of the sad stuff about you know this uh, particular movie is that so much has come. Like as far as not a lot of information has come out, but the surprise of information that we were supposed to get on a particular day, a holiday like Rogue Friday, has already come out. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Now the one one of the things we didn't get was was the Imperial Ground Crew, which is a cool looking figure, but so was Zuvio. Um, and this seems like a very utilitarian thing. And uh, I noted, I noted last episode that on the box, like it, what if it didn't say Imperial Ground Crew? You'd think, holy shit, look at this crazy bounty hunter with these laser batons.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right. I thought they were batons too until I saw the Lego set where he's just guiding a Tie Fighter, and I'm like, oh, that's not as cool.
3: Come over here. Come over here. Just, just <laughs> yeah. get it. Don't be
4: little. Of that. That's just an important job.
3: <laughs> so is being a constable of an outlaw planet, Doug. Eh. <laughs> here's for <laughs> just for the sake of it. Here's here's what the it says in the back of the Imperial Ground Crews box. D- this doesn't mean much, or it doesn't mean anything really. Imperial in- Imperial installations, whether space bound or ground based, buzz with activity and vehicular traffic. Skilled ground crews sort through this would be chaos and see the smooth operation of Imperial craft through regular maintenance. Hell yeah! The um the tie interceptor really? Lego. Comes with Imperial ground crew, and the background of that box looks like Screef. So if we're going to see these guys at all, that's probably where it's going to be. See, you know the Imperial ground crew is doing a good job when you don't even notice they're there. <laughs> they do the job so well, it's seamless. <laughs> now, here's, here's we were talking about batons. Here's something weird. Jen comes with a baton in multiple iterations of her.
4: Oh, and she also dressed up like a TIE pilot at one point too. She has the batons on her back in that one. Oh yeah. yeah.
3: Now ah. uh, it, it both in the in the three and three quarters figure, she has batons in one of, in one of the versions of her. And then also there's a Lego buildable buildable figure of her as Sergeant Jen Urso. And it sees her against a, this is one of the most distinct backgrounds of any of these things I've seen. And again, I know their backgrounds on boxes, they don't necessarily mean anything, but they did sync up pretty well with Force Awakens. So on this box for the Jen Erso Lego buildable figure is a rocky canyon-like environment at twilight.
4: I think that's Edu.
3: Yeah, I think, I think it is too. And I think it's the, it's looked like the terrain that we see a shot of the X-Wings flying through.
4: Yep. And there's also that footage in, like, the Comic-Con uh, uh, sh- reels that they showed where it's, like, pouring rain and they're running with the wind machines blowing on them and all that. And I think it's all in the same area.
3: Um, the uh, You guys mentioned the lack of talking figures. There is one.
4: <laughs> oh, we, really?
3: We we addressed it in the last episode, the Interact Tech Stormtrooper. Oh, Right. Stormtrooper that comes the jet pack which hints to something cool in rogue one because this is a specifically rogue one action figure and it boasts 65 lights and sounds well i played with this fucker this morning
2: oh so you got a list Ooh. of the more th- more stuff he says
3: <laughs> oh yeah in fact i have a recording
2: <laughs> oh let's let's go for it Ooh. it's not
3: great the recording's fine but the trooper eh. well, yeah. here, here we here we go let's take this fight to the sky
2: Orders received. Nice.
6: Mission is a go. Yeah. Let's move. Orders received. Mission is a go. Orders received. I
3: was like, oh, <laughs> there's sixty-five Mission is a 65 go. lights and sounds.
6: Let's move.
4: <laughs> Where are they?
6: Orders received. Oh, this guy's <laughs> fucking busy. Mission <laughs> is
4: a go. Getting shit done. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I. If we're pretending that let's take this fight to the skies is not the next big Star Wars line. (laughs) May the force be with you. Let's take this fight to the skies. Yeah. Hell yeah.
3: Well, and Wedge is all like, I'll see you there, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible. Don't
4: tease me like that. Oh, my God. Is Wedge going to be in this movie?
3: They got to reference him at
2: least, like just be like, "Oh, Captain Antilles won't be here." Oh shit! All right, you know, like
0: (laughs) I'd I'd rather have a Captain Sindela mention.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty rad. Now uh, I'm not, I'm not done. Oh, there's, there's more. There's, there's lots more. Um, Oh, sorry. But (laughs) there's the thing. This thing, this this toy is really awkward. He um on the front of the box it says, "Here's what you do. You you can uh, if you pick him up and hold him horizontal, he makes flight sounds." If you shake him, he makes battle sounds. <laughs> he pukes in his helmet, <laughs> and and he has a symbol underneath his armor that lights up. So for battle sounds, there's an imperial insignia, and if it's flight sounds, and that insignia is surrounded by, uh, basically the two wings of a tie fighter, um. But then on the back of the toy, it's like if you put the blaster in his hand, he's in attack mode. If you put the jetpack on him, he's in flight mode. And I'm just, <laughs> but if you and if you tap his belt, that's where the sound effects come from. And, and I'm just like, oh my god, he's repeating the same things over and over again. I expected sixty five things. I gotta mine this for information. Where's my nuggets of plot? I didn't really get anything. But um, did you
2: dry the sounds in different positions? Whether he's in flight mode, I did Amazing. eventually
3: start shaking him, and I got something a little bit different. <laughs>
0: Take this fight to the sky. Head
4: for the canyon. Rebels spotted. Anyway, that and then it just. Let's take this fight to the motherfucking skies.
3: <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that, that. But it's you know once I got him going, then it was just another loop. So you know I don't know how how far they stretched the concept of sixty five lights and sounds. But I would, I don't know, I don't, I'm dubious about the uh, the accuracy of that statement. <laughs> Yeah, it seems a little disingenuous, just a little bit. <laughs> Maybe
2: it's, like, timed, whereas, like, after the movie comes out, he's going to start saying spoiler shit all over the place. <laughs> Killed another one. <laughs> you know, like He'll say that by name. Like.
3: Cassian Andor is dead. I repeat, Cassian Andor is dead.
6: <laughs>
4: K2SO has betrayed us. Hunt him down. We figured out who Snoke is, sir. It's Mace Windu. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's a private Snoke here requesting to join us now that that would be amazing Snoke was a jetpack uh, trooper <laughs> <laughs> come in commander Snoke <laughs> Snoke him if you got him <laughs> is, that, is that the name of the episode <laughs>
3: uh, I don't know this is probably the only time we're going to talk about Snoke in it but <laughs> I've, I've probably made that joke before I say it to myself all the time if I want a good laugh <laughs> here's one one thing that did surprise me on Rogue Friday, was the Elite figures? Have you guys heard about these things? Mm-hmm. I, are, are they are they new to Rogue One? Is this something that existed
4: before?
0: So Rex, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the Elite series is just the evolution of the diecast metal figures from the Force Friday launch.
4: Yeah, I think they're the same. I think I, I, they may have even been called Elite last year, but I don't know if that if they were just using that as heavily. But yeah, they're basically just the same diecast figures. Yeah,
3: I didn't know they were a thing. So when I hit the Disney store, I was really surprised to see them. They're they're exclusive figures and they're
4: they're metal action figures. Um, and they're pretty good. They're pretty nice. Like some of the paint is a little flat, but uh, and also the only other issue with them is they're kind of out of scale with any other six inch figures. They're like an inch or two taller, uh, but they're really high quality. They're nice.
0: Yeah, like I, I thought, like the elite for Phasma was way better with the than the Black Series one. Yeah, they did a really good job with that line.
3: Well, yeah, if you're doing something metallic, it makes sense. It is a shame they're not in scale. I thought they looked like maybe they were the same size as Black Series, but I could see how just they're not. Just a little
4: bigger. Just a little bit bigger.
3: And and you're right. The, the painting the painting leaves something to be desired. The, the, the sculpting and everything for the, for the black figures, just because it's plastic, you can get a greater degree of, I guess, intricacy probably at the same price point. But these are $25 action figures, and they are heavy as shit. Well, yeah, but, but
0: also the, the, the nice thing about them, at least from last year, was that there were a lot of um, Elite Series vehicles. So oh. there were like First Order Ties and um, I want to say Resistance X-Wings. So those I recall being pretty nice.
4: Yeah, but th- I mean they're obviously not to scale with the 8-inch figures or anything. But they well, just yeah. had like larger diecast model ships. Now that you said that, Matt, if they make a U-Wing, I must have it. <laughs> I didn't see any vehicles at all for that.
3: Uh, I mean, I suppose maybe it's it's only a matter of time, but uh, um, one the 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 lineup is uh kind of what you'd expect. It's Jin, Cassian, Bodhi, K two, Chirrut, Baze, a Death Trooper, but then the weirdest thing is a black astromech
4: called C two B five. Yeah, I, I've seen they've made a couple of different toys for him. And I have, I mean, they haven't talked about him at all, but I know there's like a regular uh, normal scale version of him as well, but no idea what he, what,
0: what, what he's about. And
3: there was, there was copy on the back of the box and it didn't yield any information whatsoever.
6: Hmm.
0: I mean, he, he looks like the black astromechs that have been Imperial droids in, in, uh, Rebels that Chopper has been disguising himself as with like horrible paint jobs. Yeah. But I wonder if that's uh, part of the same line or if those are different.
3: I don't know, but what I do know is if you if you only want to get one K two figure, this elite one is probably the one to do because being that he's a robot and he's already kind of like a little bit chromey, but like kind of matte as well, then
4: the elite figure thing is the uh, the best bet. And I will say the Black Series K two figure is also very nice. It's a really well done.
3: One one last piece of toy news. This is something that didn't come out today, as far as I know, but they of uh, uh, image was released online two images actually showing off a body part of saw guerrero we hadn't seen before uh in the pop fig and also a photo of the uh three and three quarters figure
4: we see that he has a robot foot an independently intelligent it's a (laughs) droid it's a droid foot and uh, yeah, I couldn't believe they're going the droid foot route. That's crazy. <laughs> so you see, one one of his feet has a
3: sandal on it, and the other one is just straight up a robot. Um, and then and then when I when I noticed that, I was like, well, you know, and you know what? He's got uh, one hand with a glove and one hand without a glove. So I guess he's uh, he's he's seen some shit. He is a he is literally war torn.
2: Yeah, and when the first teaser, he's kind of limping with a like a, a walking stick. Yeah. So do you think? do you think maybe he gets injured in the movie?
3: I think he probably comes that way. Hmm. I, th- I think he's, he's, he's already real junked up. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, I, that's, that's all I've got for, uh, for toys and such. How about you guys? Any, any other insights from, from all that?
4: I guess the only other thing that I know kind of were, su- was surprising to Matt and I both was the tie striker. Uh, the pod isn't just a circle it's like a very long kind of cylinder mm-hmm. uh, huh. and it's, it almost makes it seem like it would have two people in there, like a gunner facing backwards and kind of like in the force awakens, they're tie fighters. Um, but I don't know, but it's, it's just, I, I guess now that I'm looking at some of the other art, it's always been like that. But in my head, it was always just like a, more like a tie interceptor where it was just the ball in the middle with the, the angled wings. But no, it's this kind of long bomber esque, uh, pill shaped kind of thing.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Wonder what's going on back there. <laughs> what's going on back there? <laughs> so, is it was it like just a solid piece of plastic in the in the figure or in the the vehicle?
4: Yeah. So the the cockpit opens up and you can put somebody in there, but you don't. There's nothing behind it, so it doesn't really give any hints about what's going on back there. Huh? <laughs> what's going on back there? That's like the new <laughs> segment. It's like, hey, what's going on back there? And we're <laughs> talking only about different ships and what's going on back there you know or the uh the the weird (laughs) spatial
3: placement of vehicles and in action figures and how you never like i mean like the 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 u-wing for example it's got this one-man cockpit what's going on back there though you know
6: (laughs) what is going on back there
3: (laughs) i gotta know
2: all i know is if you know when, when when we're out seeing rogue one If some trooper turns to the other and says, "Let's take this fight to the skies," I'm gonna stand and cheer. Oh my god, me too.
4: I don't care if I'm the only
2: one in the theater. I was like, "Yeah!" I was like, "Is that like an insight? Is like a line? Is it from the book or something? Is this a trooper we got to pay attention to?" Yeah, (laughs) to the skies. The (laughs) sky. (laughs) The smoke. I called it. Proof (laughs) confirmed.
3: (laughs) We have a little bit of Rogue One casting. We found out that uh, Valine Kane is playing. Lyra Urso, Jen Urso's mom. Um, she filmed in Iceland, and uh her one comment that she said about the film is that it quote has a really edgy independent vibe. Cool. Which uh at this point I've heard so many times from so many different people, I'm wondering if they've been told to say that.
6: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't want to be suspicious of that, but I just, you know, it just keeps, you keep hearing something. And, well, anyway, so her filming in Iceland is interesting because that does confirm that all the shots we've seen of, say, the Death Trooper with the the doll and everything else that was in that, in that kind of frozen wasteland space, um, much of that could be flashback stuff. Right. There, There is a um, young... Jin or so and and here's her mom because she's some, she has, she's either gonna disappear she's gonna die right mm-hmm.
0: and i believe the actress is is actually really close to felicity jones's age so that would make sense that there's some sort of flashback
3: yeah um and then finally we know when we're gonna get the last rogue one trailer uh and it is at the end of october october well october 28th in russia Probably the internet then too, and November fourth in the U.S., uh, and that is coming with Doctor Strange. This was leaked from a Russian expo when the uh, marketing director of Russian of the Russian subdivision of the Walt Disney Company uh, mentioned this. Hopefully, she still has a job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's that's Rogue One. That's all we've got. And moving on to Han Solo. Uh, There was a weird interview that happened recently between the Huffington Post and Billy D. Williams. Uh, They said, in recent weeks there's been rumors surrounding the possibility of Donald Glover portraying a younger version of you. Um, Are there any favorites you'd consider for the role? And Billy D. said, I don't know who Donald Glover is. But as far as I'm concerned, I would say that the Star Wars producers should leave that character alone. I don't think you can do any more than what I did with the character. I think I made that character something very special and I can't imagine anybody else doing it to be very frank with you. Oh, boy. They then asked, well, okay, if the opportunity presented itself, would you have any interest in reprising your role for a future Star Wars film? And he said, yeah. If that's what you want me to do, I'd be very happy to do it as an old man. But I don't know if anybody could bring the kind of quality that I brought to any of those characters I've played. It's only because I'm not a person who thinks in terms of ethnicity. I think in terms of bringing what's very special about my point of view as an individual. And I think that's probably why those characters worked in a certain way, which is a very confusing answer
0: um well i think he's basically just saying he wasn't even playing lando he was just playing billy d williams
3: (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's yeah yeah, you could uh take that from that now uh yeah i i mean i i'm inclined to agree with him that uh that yeah he did something very special with lando because billy d is a naturally extremely charming guy i like to see anybody else sell colt 45 as as well Mm. but um uh, you know, I I think that you know the, the Han Solo movie is unnecessary, but uh, you know, it it we like it or not, it's happening, and there's probably going to be a young Lando, and I just hope that it's uh, Shamik Moore and not Donald Glover, because I think he do a better job.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and uh, I don't know. I I still think in the end, like you know, we'd like to think these stories are inspiring and that you can take things from them, and and that if Star Wars couldn't be improved upon then Empire Strikes Back wouldn't be a better movie than New Hope and you could very easily argue (laughs) that Empire Strikes Back is a better movie than New Hope and I think you can say the same thing about approaching characters like do we think that you know the first issue of Batman was the best representation of Batman and everything else you know it's just like you know it it, it, there's no reason to think someone couldn't do as good of a job if not better or or worse than Lando and you know I want to see more interpretations and it may be an unnecessary movie, but I don't think that means it's going to be a bad movie. I think it'll be a great movie.
3: So back in 2010, we actually had our, our own brief interview with Billy D. Williams. Something that we want to do is take some interviews with Star Wars personalities that never made it into State of the Empire, that predate State of the Empire, and include them here, you know, for fun. We didn't talk to him about Star Wars at all. <laughs> and also the recording is a little rough because back in the day, we didn't have great equipment. So it's myself and Hex at Megacon talking to Billy D. Williams. In 2010. Going into the role of Harvey Dent, did you and Tim Burton have sort of a, a concept of what you were going to do as Two Face if that ever came to pass?
5: Uh, we never got around to it because uh, everything changed. Yeah. So, that was the end of it. So, no, you didn't, you didn't, is, it's like, It's as think, simple as that. Someday, someday I'm going to be 2 Faced and it's going to be so great. That never well, happened. Well, you know, I looked forward to it. That's the reason why I took the role. Yeah. Because I really was looking forward to doing Two-Face. And I thought it was an interesting way of doing it. But, uh, it didn't work out. Wish it had.
3: In an alternate universe, I know it has.
5: And <laughs> um, uh, when you when you got the role, were you uh, were you then a fan of Batman? Oh, cool. I grew up with Batman. Yeah. Dark Knight, yes, of course. What did you think of the recent reimagining of Harvey Dent? With the new movies. Uh, I think the first one was true to what that character was all about. And then it got off into a lot of, you know, experimenting with all the technology. Uh, I think the this guy who killed himself, who played the, the character? The Yeah. He didn't play. He didn't. He played... Uh, Joker. Yeah. Joker. But I yeah, think hey, uh, it got back to the... Yeah. <laughs> it's all nutcase. Um, but I think that's what makes it all really interesting and fascinating. Yeah. But in between, somewhere in between, they got so locked into doing all of these things. I, used to get a I, got, I, had, I got headaches. Yeah. By, uh, watching the movies. Just <laughs> so much going on. But they, they got away from telling a story.
2: Recently, you had a cameo in the, the TV show
6: Lost.
5: You know, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, a big fan of Lost and uh, periodically he would ask me to to, uh, do parodies on some of the episodes. So the Lost people uh, saw it and they asked me to come on and play myself playing a killer, which I thought was an interesting, unique idea.
3: that that story arc with uh, the Nicky and Paolo characters that was going to be longer. And my understanding was originally the
5: plan was for your character to be in the show more often, but they kill off those characters. Is that true? I don't know. I know that. I think that lost though. You know, I many years ago with uh, Lloyd Bridges, I did a uh, a television movie called uh, Lost Flight, and it was that story about these people who get huh. stranded on uh, on an island. I just wondered if they sort of pulled it from that idea.
3: I want to look that up. Yeah, look it up. We did look up that movie he was talking about, Lost Flight, and. Uh It is a pretty interesting uh, situation. Here's the discussion that happened in the episode following us playing that interview for the first time. Well, uh, Billy Dee told me to uh, look up the Lost Flight film starring Lloyd Bridges, and I did. Uh, It's a television movie. It was aired in the U.S. in 1969. It was actually in Australian theaters in 1970. It's about a uh, plane that's flying to Sydney, and Lloyd Bridges is the captain of this airliner, and it crashes, and he has to help uh, the crew and the passengers survive on a deserted jungle island in the midst of a power struggle. Uh, it's called an adult version of Lord of the Flies, and they say it hasn't been shown in the U.S. for about 20 years. The movie was designed for a, a pi- as a pilot for a weekly TV series that didn't get greenlit, so they converted it into a full, like, movie <laughs> format. Um, but in 1976, CBS used some of the plane crash footage for a similar concept show called Stranded. It took place some time after the initial plane crash, and the survivors had created a village from the parts of the broken plane the central figure of this plot was a young boy it was geared towards younger audiences In the previous uh, show was there was a lagoon inhabited by a presumed monster there was an implication that there was a group that had split off from the main group and they made camp elsewhere and they were called the others oh shit whoa so there's actually some interesting similarities between these two things and the, the plane crash scene from lost flight is actually like pretty impressively done Parti- like it would have been good for a film so it was really good for a television movie in 1969 and there you have it that's some weird shit <laughs> Now, formerly, you actually, the the crash scene for Lost Flight was on YouTube, but unfortunately, it's not anymore. What is on YouTube right now is actually a clip from a, it looks like a TV show from the 90s about pilots that never got picked up. And they show a montage of what they don't realize at the time, because it was the 90s, is a bunch of shows that seemingly inspired Lost. Huh. So we'll link to that on this episode's page Where you can check out all of those Including some footage from this Billy Dee Williams movie You don't see any Billy Dee Williams in it unfortunately But he, he was really young at the time Now let's, uh, let's branch out to another franchise You guys ready for Willow Watch? Oh, you ready for Willow Watch? Willow So Doug, I understand that uh, you have a, a reading for us
2: yeah, uh, because there's not a lot of news in the world of Willow, uh, we decided... For a change. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I'm always surprised whenever it's like, hey, there's new news. It's like, really? <laughs> it gets me so excited. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, we decided to look back into the Willow source book um, and just see if there's any cool little plot points. And there was an interesting little story uh, about Mad Mardigan. You know, there's, there's there's actually a lot in this book uh, that really details his history. Um, talks about his youth and how he became... Uh, um, a Knight of Galadorn. Um, but the story that I'm going to read you really quick uh, is um, how he uh, first left uh, the Order, uh, when he first left the, the Knights of Galadorn. Um, he's eventually brought back in because there's going to be a big fight against Batmorda, and they like, they sort of call him out of retirement. Um, but this is when he was still a fairly young man, and uh, when he left the first time. So this is uh, titled, Mad Mardigan's Fall. One of the surviving Knights of Galadorn... Garrig Toth says Mad Mardigan took the oaths of knighthood more seriously than his recorded accounts allow. Aye, though he was young, he worked all the harder to cleave to the ideal of honor, as did we all, but perhaps with not so much concern for failure. The knights of Galadorn, known across the kingdom for unimpeachable integrity, sworn never to betray a secret, never to desert a comrade in need, never to tire in defense of Galadorn. Their reputation earned them the name, the Shining Legion. The young Mardigan tried to live by that high standard, much as his friend Eric did, but he lacked Eric's stolidity, and this lack caused disaster. Mardigan had an unknown enemy in the court, not one of the knights, but a minister, Jarenth by name, who disliked the boy's cocksure manner and envied his great skill. Gerenth put Carissima, as we will call her, whatever her actual name, up to a flirtation with Mardigan. Gerenth led her to think that she would be testing the knight's reputation for secrecy. He told Charisma to endear herself with Mad Mardigan, then to see what secrets he would betray. In a sense, the minister's scheme went astray, for Charisma not only made the young knight fall in love with her, she in turn fell for Mad Mardigan. She refused to speak to Jarenth of what she may have learned. But Jarenth turned even this to his advantage. He presented to Charisma evidence that Mad Mardigan had betrayed their love, whether Jorinth had to fabricate this evidence is unknown, but fraud was not beneath him. Charisma became enraged and stormed off to confront Mad Mardigan. Jorinth had timed this revelation to coincide with the ceremony of great dignity, the annual knight's processional. In this ritual, the knights of Galadorn stood before the throne and renewed their oaths of loyalty. Charisma arrived in the crowded hall just as Mad Mardigan was renewing his oath. "'Let any who would speak ill of my knighthood come forth,' he said, expecting to continue unchallenged as was the usual." But Charisma shouted, I can speak a great deal of ill. And so, before all the knights, she did. Garig Toth, the knight, recounting this episode, still averts his eyes when recalling it. She was impetuous, truly, he says. When she thought he had thrown her away, destroyed everything they both held dear, she turned and fought like a panther. She yelled out everything he had told her in confidence, not only secrets that proved he'd betrayed his oath, terrible though that was, but also gossip. "'Dreams, ambitions, and merciful stars the things only one lover knows of another. "'Awful, awful. "'But didn't Mad Mardigan try to reply? "'Didn't the knights try to remove "'this disruptive woman from the ceremony? "'The answer tells much of the young Mad Mardigan "'and of the origins of his character as we know it today. "'After the first shock, he stood there,' says Garrig. "'He looked at her straight on, "'and a more despairing expression "'I never saw on any battlefield. "'Of course, the king ordered for the knights to remove her,' "'less for Mad Mardigan's sake than for the audience's, "'as we were embarrassed as he. "'But Mad Mardigan said clearly, "'Let her speak.' "'They were the only words he spoke. "'After that, there was nothing for us to do "'but sit and listen. "'He stood there, head up, with no expression, "'just swallowing once in a while. "'Why did fast-talking Mad Mardigan "'not offer an excuse, shout back, "'or deny everything?' "'Until after that day, "'Mad Mardigan did not speak so quickly,' says Garrig, "'He had a young man's idea of honor the kind that can twist to strike you like a knife in your hand. I think he felt that if someone had reason to speak ill of him, he should, in honesty, hear their accusations. And none would dispute that, though there are more appropriate times for such things. But for the rest, I think, Edom Mardigan Martigan would not question the word of his beloved or thought dignifying her accusations with a reply would bring dishonor to him. As though she had not done this already, a confused young man, I would say. gary concludes the account. She finished in tears and ran from the hall. Nobody could say anything. Man, Martigan walked from the room by another exit, like a man heading for the scaffold. He never
3: saw her again, and we didn't see much of him either. Now, it's interesting, because from talking to Bob Dolman, the screenwriter for Willow, like, almost all the material of the Willow sourcebook is not anything that he wrote. Correct. Uh, nothing that he composed in, you know, production for the film. But there is, some, like, seemingly a connectivity between the contents of the Willow sourcebook and the additional... Elements of the story that were placed in Wayland Drew's Willow novelization, mm-hmm. and there, I, I have a hard time remembering the exact nature of it, but they do confront a little bit of um, Mad Mardigan's origin in in Drew's novel as well. And I remember it it being the one part that didn't quite sync up, but also kind of did. Like it didn't fully disavow each other. It's just sort of the the nature of explaining what happened to Mad Mardigan in Galadorn
6: mm-hmm.
3: is. Somewhat confused, because mm-hmm. um, it's also it is a little confusing even here because
2: after this he goes and uh, he's like out wandering, you know, the land as like a sellsword sword, and they have to bring him back. But then he gets like, you know. That he gets kicked out again, <laughs> like, so I I don't I don't really know how they they planned it out like this. If it was meant to be like, oh, this was a disgrace, but then he left of his own accord. Well, they wanted him back so bad, and now it's even a bigger disgrace because there was a there was a mistake that was made, but he wasn't entirely to blame, depending on whose story you, you want to believe. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting back and forth that they got going with this, but it still doesn't really explain how he wound up in the you know in the crow cage. Like a uh, they uh, uh they, they call him do- a thief. Yeah, they call him a thief in the movie, but in the book, they do explain how he gets in the cage, but it has nothing to do with being a thief. He's not even accused of being a thief. It, it's like it's a completely unrelated event, and I don't know how he gets the reputation for being a thief at all. At least according to the Willow source book. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I I don't know which of this I should make headcanon or not because it, some of it's really good. And endearing, and the other is
3: just, like, interesting, but doesn't explain anything. Well, we, we do still plan to do another all Willow Watch episode. Where we're going to speak to Alan Varney, the author of the Willow Sourcebook. So that's that's something that is still in the cards. Get some answers. Yeah. Anyway, thus ends Willow Watch. And begins Indie Inquiry. Now, last episode, we talked about the impending release of an animated Indiana Jones fan film by uh, Patrick Schoenmaker. The, it was called The Adventures of Indiana Jones, something he'd been working on for five years, since 2011. This is an artist who was commissioned to do a poster for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the style of, um, well, basically if Indiana Jones was an animated series. it got him thinking, and then he produced a short. But we didn't know... We didn't know what it was going to be like. We, we didn't know how long it was going to be. We didn't know what was up with it. Well... It was great, but it was also only a minute and forty-one seconds long with credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five years. Really, it's only about one minute. Really, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. It's got a lot of the characters, though. No, no Sala, but you get some Marcus and some Short Round, and it's kind of like the the opening to what would be an Indiana Jones animated television series. It's mm-hmm. Sort of a little one, sort of micro adventure that segues through many locales and so on. A lot of fun. And hopefully it's not the end of Patrick Showmaker working with Indiana Jones. Uh, not surprisingly, a lot of the comments on YouTube are like, whoa, uh, can this please be a thing?
2: Yeah, like, where's the rest of
3: it? I want to see more of it. It's like, no, nope, this is it. <laughs> uh, in, in only a day's time, it got, uh, like, of last I checked, 200,000 views. Nice. Um, so it's still chugging right along. 26 dislikes. I don't. Who are, the, who are these people? I, sure. there's, there's no more of this <laughs> Ugh.
2: dislike i mean i
3: love it i want more but since there is no more of it i gotta give a thumb down <laughs> there's um i think i've made my point <laughs> <laughs> now when in the credits you'll see there's actually a number of animators listed but uh but he actually did he did all the backgrounds layouts key poses and about two-thirds of the actual animation the rest were interns that he was able to summon in because he is a uh well he is a a, a A working person that's probably why it took five years for this to come to fruition Um, but yeah super cool we'll link to where you can check it out on this episode's page
2: it's a cartoon it's a spinoff it's an intro fuck it I don't know
3: (laughs) (laughs) thanks Bob Iger (laughs) Uh, uh, all right so uh, here we stand on the precipice of the blast doors but before we go beyond them we're to let you know the State of the Empire is entirely fan-supported. We wouldn't exist without you fine folks helping us stay alive and supporting the Nerdy Show network. You can do that through a number of means. Perhaps the one most <laughs> related to Star Wars is if you want to spend money through Amazon, you should do it through our Amazon portal. That's at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. You can bookmark it and make it the only way that you go to Amazon or follow any of the links on this episode's page as well. Anytime we talk about something that's like uh, forthcoming, for example, the Rogue One novel, by James Luceno. Um, well, you can pre-order that through our Amazon link, and you can um, make some money for Nerdy Show. At no extra cost to you. If you do any huge purchases, you can always just uh, let us know, send us an email, and be like, "Yo, I bought all this crazy stuff. Give me a shout out, and we totally will, because you earned it." Other ways you can support us include one-time donations as well as subscribing on Patreon. We have a ton of bonus content there for all subscribers, including well, early releases and. A lot of uh, bloopers from State of the Empire, actually, over the years. Lots and lots and lots of those. So if you go to nerdyshow.com support, you'll see all the different ways to support us. And if you want to do something that involves no money whatsoever, well, you could tell a friend, because you probably have some friends who like Star Wars, and some of them might also be interested in listening to podcasts. Get them hooked on State of the Empire, or leave a review or a rating on iTunes. Just log into iTunes, click five stars, and you're good to go, unless you want to write some words about us. They don't even have to be too many words. Just say I like Willow Watch. Let's take this podcast to the skies.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If someone writes that in a review, we're definitely reading that one. Yeah, we're reading that one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
3: take this podcast to the skies. I don't know. (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) Uh, that 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 inside joke is from last episode. Go ahead and dial back to that one if if you want to know that.
0: <laughs> let's keep it going though. Let's just bring it through every episode. Yeah.
3: <laughs> hashtag I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> At Bob Iger. Hashtag I don't know. Fuck no, it. No, please don't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't ha- deserve hashtag, it. Hashtag Hashtag Bobby I. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, guys. If you're leaving now, we'll see you next time. And for the rest of you brave souls, let's go behind the blast doors. All right, so I kind of lied. I said there wasn't any Rogue One stuff over here, but there actually kind of is, and it's something that's so, like, not a big deal. I wasn't even sure if it was worthy of being behind the blast doors, but uh, for any of you folks expecting to see Emperor Palpentine in this film, don't waste your energy. Ian McDermott says he's not in Rogue One.
0: That's what a Sith Lord would say.
3: (laughs) Uh, And one other Rogue One thing, there was an observation about... uh, the TIE fighter in the Rogue One trailer, uh, the one that, you know, Jen's on some kind of walkway and this TIE fighter bobs up. And uh, one of you guys noticed something about it um, in relation to the sizzle reel that they released a while back.
4: Yeah, definitely. In the the Comic-Con making of video, there's a shot from a kind of a, I don't know, side angle of that same walkway with Jen walking down it, and it shows her kind of getting blown back with wire work. Um, so it seems like that tie fighter probably gets exploded while she's approaching it. So like I'm picturing in my head like she's walking forward all badass, points a gun at it, and then someone externally blows that shit up. Sort of like and the end of uh Saving Private Ryan. Just like that.
0: And and if that is someone there to rescue her and they swoop down in a U-wing or whatever, or, you know, whatever it might be, and then, you know, escape with the uh looks like the, the sky falling on around them in that most recent trailer, like when mm-hmm. all the dirt's coming down. Um, that would be very similar to a shot from uh, one of the cutscenes scenes in uh, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, in which a TIE bomber lifts up, you know, kind of comes from below a sky dock on Arshada, or N- Nar Narshada, and starts to fire at uh, Kyle Katarn. And then Jan Ors blows the TIE bomber out of the sky. Kyle Katarn gets knocked over. And uh, she rescues him. So uh, we got another little Dark Forces callback there. Probably not intentional, just because it is a cool sequence that I think has a certain universal idea of, like, wouldn't it be badass if we did this? And the answer is yes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> Moving on to episode 8 We've got some news about the Ireland filming. Uh, we know that because of the environmental sensitivity of Sklig Michael, the... Island where the Jedi Temple stuff has been filmed largely. They did have to film other scenes elsewhere in Ireland uh, for what the the planet's being called Octo. Um, a family on vacation spoke with an eyewitness of the filming that took place in Malin Head, and described uh, beehive like huts. Um, it appears that the uh, the Knights of Ren disturb Ray's Jedi training, and they filmed fight scenes with Chewbacca which is the first anybody's heard about I mean it's kind of a no brainer because he's there uh, but we've heard lots of reports about fight scenes at Okto and none of them have mentioned Chewbacca until now oh dude what if Lumpy's one of the Knights of Ren <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, we I, could only dream it's like subtitle take off that mask and he's like no <laughs> don't do this to me <laughs> please not again
0: <laughs> so, and and. Uh, that that, that prospect of Chewbacca being involved in this fight, also surprising that I didn't think about it either. It is creating a lot of conflict within me because at one moment, I think a Knight of Ren one at like one-on-one or two-on-one or seven-on-one should just absolutely destroy Chewie. Not kill him maybe, but like definitely kick his ass. But come on, it's a chance to really elevate Chewbacca into sort of elite status if he can take out at least one Knight of Ren. Yeah. Well,
3: he couldn't, he couldn't take out Kylo. And also, we saw early sketches of Chewbacca from Episode Seven where he was missing an arm or a leg or something. That's
2: right. Oh man, it'd be so fucked uh, up if like he starts fighting the Knights of Ren. They just like whump slices.
3: The movie off, like... opens and Chewbacca loses a limb. Yeah, you, could oh, you fucking believe that? No,
0: I could. That'd be crazy. <laughs> no, the... I, I. I have a feeling the limbs are gonna be flying off in this movie. Seriously, at least at least four or five of them.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> at well,
3: least. We'll when we when we do uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll screen episode eight and we'll have a limb counter. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was there
2: was a great uh, fan comic that someone did uh, online after Force Awakens came out, where it was the scene where, where Han Solo dies and it cuts to Chewy up like up in the you know on the uh, what do we call them the not the rafters but the, uh, the ramparts ramparts that's it. Um, he's up on the ramparts and he's looking through the scope of his bowcaster. And he sees, you know, he's looking at Kylo Ren through the scope and he has a quick flashback to when Kylo Ren is a, is just a baby and Han Solo's passing him to Chewie just being like, don't worry, little fella, Chewie won't hurt you. He's our, he's our friend. And, like, they just share this moment, you know, or whatever. Where it's like, oh, it's my life mate's, you know, son and everything. And it's like this really sweet thing. And then it cuts back to the moment and Chewie, like, can't quite pull the trigger. You're looking through his scope. And then he lowers the sights on the scope down not on Kylo's head, but like lower to like where it would just maim him and not kill him, and that's the shot he took, which is why Kylo didn't die. Why? Why he Why he couldn't kill Kylo outright? And I'm like, Aw. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I whatever. It. But I'm thinking it would be cool if he's there, and you know Luke is doing his thing, Ray's doing her thing, Knights of Ren show up, he kicks their ass, but then he he gets Kylo in his sights, and he's just like hesitant because it's Han's kid, you know. And then in that hesitation, Womp limb comes off, and it's like, "Fuck, God damn it, chewy. You just should have done it. You should' have done it already." I'm just saying he's useless.
6: He's son He's
2: as useless as Zuvio is.
3: Oh, you scum! Whoa, come scum. on, Scum! <laughs>
2: I'm just saying, you know, that make me sick. Who was the who was the droid that tried to not the droid? Who was that thing in the face freak that 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 tried to steal BB-8 before Ray saved him? Scavenger. Yeah. 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 Where was Zuvio when that was that when that was going down? Where was Zuvio when the Ties were attacking?
3: Busting actual crimes,
0: doing police work, stuffing his fat face with
2: space donuts.
0: Oh my goodness. He's keeping keeping the little guy safe.
2: um, (laughs) Yeah, keeping the little uh, guy safe while while, while, while the First Order destroys a dirt market. (laughs) Like, there's like... You're a dirt market. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Don't seem so brave to me. I don't understand.
3: (sighs) Oh my God. One final note about the
2: Ireland shooting. It took place at dusk. (laughs) That's all we got. Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma. She's listed as being in Episode 8. Do we know anything about Phasma being in Episode 8?
0: Like yeah, eight? I want to... Somebody... Some executive said, we have big plans for Phasma. That doesn't say shit. It was Kennedy. Shit. It it was was Kennedy. Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. Big
2: plans for her even in The Force Awakens. Look how that turned out.
0: You know what? And this is on me because I don't galvanize people when I have a good idea. I need to make an Episode 8 parody video that is basically just... It's Les Mis, but instead of the the prisoner number that Javert has in Les Miz. It's her hunting for FN-2187. Yeah, that's
2: the kind of movie I want. It's just her hunting him down.
0: But I want it to be a musical. I want to do a Phasma musical. That's what I'm trying to do.
3: How are you trying to do this with editing? <laughs>
2: no,
0: I wanted a, like, a, like a YouTube fan film. Of, oh. Of basically a parody of the 24601. The song in, in Les Mis where he uses the prisoner's number. That's what Javert constantly refers to him as by the number. Just like... right. Phasma does, so I think that's what it should be. Is Phasma hunting down Jean Valjean? She would be hunting down FN two one eight seven.
3: Now, uh, making Star Wars reported on what they're calling the space bomb sequence in Episode eight, which led to an interesting conversation about code names. They've been using a lot of code names in um, Episode eight, and actually. Maybe even a bit less than they did at Force in Force Awakens, because in Force Awakens actors had code names, and now they're just numbers, which makes it impossible to tell who anybody is unless you know what they are. Hmm. Um, for example, there's a set that's called the Hundred Acre Woods after Winnie the Pooh. Um and the sequence in the Hundred Acre Woods features twenty two sugar cubes and five grizzlies. Hmm. See, if you were gonna say
2: Actor character number three, well, that's three PO. Character number two, that's R two. Character <laughs> number eight, that's BB eight. You can see where this is going. Uh huh. Ben Solo, maybe that's character
3: number one. <laughs> well, he thinks he's number one. I don't know what his call sheet <laughs> no, he thinks says. No, I think Grandfather's number one. <laughs> um. So this scene in the Hundred Acre Woods is apparently pretty action packed. It had ten firemen on standby as a precaution. It uh, takes place in space, and either based on. Based on the floors and the amount of safety they had to have about scuffing the floors, it is either the First Order is boarding a Resistance ship or a small band of Resistance fighters are boarding a First Order ship. That's been unclear from the reports. Um, there's some green screen, a, uh, what looks like it would be a CGI crowd, and a removal of, of rigs for the, in all the green screen setups. Um, there's explosions from thermal detonators planted by a group who are codenamed the Grizzlies. And uh, the sugar cubes, which everyone assumes are first order stormtroopers because they're white, um, they, uh, let's see, they needed an hour to get dressed up on set. So the Grizzlies also needed that time as well. So whatever, what whoever the Grizzlies are, they take about as much time to get ready as stormtroopers do. Mm. The best guess for the sequence involves Finn, uh, Kelly Marie Tran's character, who's wearing a medal because there was a... Uh, a prop call for her wearing for that that character wearing some kind of a medal, and it was a character meeting the description of the act, actor Kelly Marie Tran, um, whose character we know nothing about, um, and then also a resistance technician of some kind as they go up against a squad of First Order stormtroopers. Uh, here's the specific specific description: Scene two hundred and thirteen, interior Hundred Acre Wood hangar, Grizzly Weaponry, cast seven medallion handcuffs axes and mace debris grizzly associated paraphernalia clipboards glasses bags headsets grizzly bombs grizzly belt with bombs attached that's and that's all i guess it's not the scene description but that's all the information we have about the sc- the scene itself
0: i'm excited but i'm confused <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so I don't. Grizzlies kind of sounds like resistance or rebels to me. Grizzly sounds like Ewoks to me, which sounds more exciting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> They've come a long way since Return of the Jedi. They're uh, they're they're a very important faction in the, uh, the yeah, resistance. Like,
2: like a a strike force of highly trained Ewoks, like all stealth and small. Uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I think there, that's
0: our there next uh, D&D campaign. There <laughs> there, there, were, there were therapy Ewoks in uh, Bloodline. What do
3: you mean, therapy? Ewoks oh, yeah. explain? Matt, like, please, like a therapy dog? Please, please, God, share this. In the name of Teak, uh, share this.
0: Or, I'm sorry, it wasn't Bloodline. It was, in, it was in the most recent Aftermath book. Following the Battle of Endor, some Ewoks became like therapy Ewoks to be like comforting companions of some of the rebel soldiers, particularly ones that had suffered like uh, missing limbs and things like that. Like, it was uh, basically to help with PTSD.
2: W- w- would that work for a lot of the rebel soldiers to be like, my friends died because of you, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> like, like you, you couldn't get the shield out in time. Why couldn't you do it? And just,
0: like... well, I'll give the, the okay. So, uh, the, one of the, the, doctor in, in aftermath in aftermath life that the actual quote was, I could put you in for a therapy walk instead. Some of the native Endor creatures have agreed to travel off world to help veterans like you recuperate as a matter of recompense for saving their home.
3: That's so weird. Can you, imagine, can you imagine an Ewok of all creatures? Like, I mean, we know, we've, the fucking expanded universe says that that, that god-awful motherfucker from, from the special edition Jabba's Palace, Joe Yowza, um, the singer, the weird Muppety singer that they added in, um, that he is a native of Endor and somehow what? traveled from Endor, ended up on Tatooine and is a singer in Jabba's Palace now. Fuck that. But <laughs>
0: actually I never realized that yeah, I'm actually a little disappointed in that as well.
3: <laughs> it's so fucking awful of all the things. but I mean ewoks, ewoks leaving indoor, willingly leaving indoor like holy crap, they have no idea what they're in for and yeah I mean being like doing a service but also being slaves or a pet, even though they're like fully you know cognizant like Aboriginal people. Uh, you know you could treat that they're more like a counselor, you know they're not like a pet. Like your
2: job isn't to just literally pat them on the head and feel better. Like I'm sure they might help you cook a meal if you're depressed and shit. You know, and they hang out with you. They probably that's a go, that's go, a slave. Go, Doug. go get you a no no. <laughs> it's not a slave if they're volunteering <laughs> as a way to say thank you to like these veterans for saving the world. Do you guys think any,
4: any of the Ewoks would become like strippers?
3: <laughs> <laughs> to do to do what? Just like ooh, they're already look, wearing look, no, almost nothing anyway. I can, I can see your neck. <laughs> like that's all they're hiding, on their just, they've got they wear the hats, but that's it. Everything else is,
4: yeah, just, is fur. Just thinking, just thinking about it. <laughs> just, all.
3: just thinking aloud.
4: <laughs> just Thinking aloud. Yeah.
2: I think there's a great one-shot comic in there, a comic book of uh, a therapy Ewok meeting with like a, a disgruntled uh, rebel soldier veteran who lost his buddies at the Battle of Endor.
4: And they both become
2: strippers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, they become lovers. Oh. I was gonna
2: say they just become good friends and maybe uh, start touring around the universe solving mysteries but you know <laughs> boring
3: <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with that lovely buddy adventure and or surprising erotica for to, to to stew over
2: <laughs> vote vote with your pens right write the fan fiction whoever gets the most votes best wins
3: <laughs> yeah post it to the nerdy show forums and uh, hey also post to the nerdy show forums your scores in Star Wars battle pod we, uh, we need more contenders. Yeah, skies up there are pretty lonely. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. Bye, I'm Rex. Taking us out is a track called Wanna Be Your Jedi by Syfried with Mikey Mason. This is from SciFried's 2012 record, Co op Mode, where they played alongside some of their other musician friends, including MC Lars, Kirby Crackle, and Mark Withesee. You can find music by all those people on nerdy.fm, our nerd music streaming service. Listen to it on the website or via our Apple or Android apps. And this track, well, in some ways it's kind of an inadvertent lesson in how making reckless Star Wars references can lead to some really inappropriate lyrics. Let's see if you can find them. This is Wanna Be Your Jedi by sci with Mikey Mason. For listening to State of the Empire. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com/slash/NerdyShow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com and be sure to follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered.
2: What is Kylo Ren's least favorite condiment? Rayone's. That's shit, Doug. (laughs) I know, I know. To make it better, I got... I I do got a Star Wars Yo Mama joke. Is that somehow going to apologize for what you just did to us? Oh, maybe. Yo Mama's so fat, the Death Star had to wait until Yavin 4 emerged from behind her before it could take the shot.
3: (laughs) God damn. (laughs) That's pretty fat. <laughs> Shit. Oh this, my is <laughs> <never coming> <laughs> this is the worst. He's never coming back.
4: This is the worst.
2: Hey, if you find a better Star Wars joke, let me know. Okay. You got a good Star Wars
4: joke in you? No. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's what I thought. At least I'm bringing something to the table. I'm doing yeah, this for you.
4: Well, I guess thank you. <laughs>
2: You're welcome. <laughs> God, turn that one around. Good. <laughs> God damn it. Take that bark to
6: the sky. <laughs> Hold
1: up.